Welcome back to the Aeon Pensions Podcast. In this episode, we talk to Hannah Cook and Tom Scott about longevity swaps. Starting with what is a longevity swap? How does the market work? What are the different structural options? Are longevity swaps accessible to all pension schemes? Is pricing attractive? And how compatible are longevity swaps with later conversions to annuity purchase? You can find out all the answers to these questions in our interview. Welcome back to the Aon Pensions Podcast. I'm joined today with uh, Hannah Cook and Tom Scott from the Risk Settlement Group. Welcome both. Thank you very much. Hi, Stuart. Hi there. Hannah, could you just tell us a little bit about your role here? Yes, thanks, Stuart. Um, my name is uh, Hannah Cook. Um, I'm an actuary in Aon's Risk Settlement team. Um, I've got a wide range of experience across bulk annuities, longevity swaps um, and reinsurance uh, and have uh, implemented transactions covering around 12 billion of of liabilities over the past five years. And and Tom? Yeah, hi, I'm Tom Scott, Principal Consultant uh, and Actuary in our Resettlement Group. Uh, My experience is pretty wide-ranging, starting with the the high-level advice to trustees and sponsors of both small and large schemes on their longevity risk management strategy, but also through to the execution of, of hedging solutions across both bulk communities and longevity swaps. So, so, so today we're talking longevity swaps. So let's start with what is a longevity swap? Hannah, if you could, could explain that for us, that'd be great. Thanks, Stuart. Um, a longevity swap is an insurance product that pension schemes can purchase um, to remove the, the downside risk in their schemes around members living longer than expected. Um, it works as a cash flow swap, so the pension scheme enters into a contract with the insurer and agrees to make payments um, in line with a certain life expectancy. Um, the pension scheme then receives um, payments for as long as members are still alive in line with the payments they need to make to members in the scheme. And how does the market actually work? Interesting question. Um, we often get asked uh, by our trustees and sponsors, so... I can see this is longevity risk, something we want to, to get rid of, but, but who would actually want to take that on? Um, which, which party would have an interest in, in taking on the longevity risk associated with the, with the UK pension scheme? And, and the main answer to that question uh, is the sort of the market for, of global reinsurers. So these have a, a range of different um, risk exposures. Some of them have some links to, to longevity risk. For example, many of them have big, big books of... Uh, mortality risk exposure, so there's some sort of offsetting effect with longevity risk, but more generally, uh, reinsurers look to take on a wide range of risks and, and benefit from the diversification and the, the uncorre- uh, un- uncorrelated nature of those to build up a sort of balanced portfolio that they obviously look to make a profit from over time. So, so that's where that risk ultimately goes to. Um, the key thing is those schemes, so a pension scheme cannot enter into a reinsurance contract, so what we need to get uh, is a structure in place in the middle um, which can convert that reinsurance into insurance. So, so what are these structural options? Um, so, so there's a range of those. I guess if we talk briefly about how the market developed, it, it, it developed initially with uh, UK banks and insurers playing what's called an intermediation role, effectively standing between the scheme and the the, the reinsurer and converting the uh, the the, the, the protection that the scheme is looking for into a form that they can enter into. Also carrying out a number of um, 
sort of administrative functions in the middle, effectively making the swap work uh, and operating it over the lifetime. Over time, um, schemes have looked at which elements of that role they can perhaps take that on themselves, which risk exposures are actually more comfortable with to try and get a more cost-effective route. Um, and the market's evolving into different sort of structures. For example, still having a UK insurer sitting in between, but actually with some of the risk associated with the reinsurer being passed through to the pension scheme. So for example, the credit risk of the reinsurer. And also some schemes have gone a little bit further than actually saying, well, perhaps we can, rather than pay a third-party insurer to take on that role, perhaps we can um, actually set up our own insurance vehicle, most likely located offshore for capital reasons. Um, and, and that will be the, the, the intermediation or transform, transformation vehicle that uh, converts that reinsurance into insurance. And are longevity swaps accessible to all pension schemes? That's a very good question and I think one that's kind of evolved over the past few years. Um, so historically the market was very much focused on the larger end, um, so the multi-billion pound pension schemes um, looking to hedge longevity risk where actually potentially options in the bulk annuity market were less available um, but they were still quite keen to, to hedge that demographic risk and indeed we helped a number of clients, so the, the likes of BAE Systems, Pilkington and Rolls-Royce um, implement longevity hedges um, at that time. Um, looking at the past few years, increasingly that market has opened up and, and become a bit more accessible with a more streamlined approach um, at the smaller end of the market. Um, however, for the majority of pension schemes uh, at the smaller end of the market, thinking about whether hedging makes sense in the context of the wider risk transfer they can achieve with, with bulk annuity of purchase um, tends to be an upfront um, consideration. Um, and bulk annuity purchase um, at the moment is, is offering better value in that area of the market. So we're, we're starting to see um, that it, it is becoming more accessible at the smaller end, but actually um, at the moment better value can be obtained elsewhere in the market. So you mentioned value, um, it always comes down to this. Is, is the pricing attractive at the moment? Uh, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a bit of a story there, which perhaps would be, be helpful to sort of to talk through. Um, this comes back to the uh, recent trends of mortality improvement rates in, in the UK. Uh, it's been quite a hot topic within industry that after a period of very high improvement um, over the first decade of this, this century, there's been uh, what we often refer to as a handbrake turn in mortality improvements around 2010, 2011. Um, and there's been a much lower rate of improvement since. And, and that's really sort of challenged the market in terms of what level of pricing do they need to offer to to, um, to give schemes a, a good value for money option. Um, we went through a period uh, a couple of years ago where, quite frankly, our view was that there was a, a dislocation between the price that um, the risk takers, the reinsurers were prepared to offer and the scheme's own view of that, um, and that actually that there wasn't good value available. Um, we've, things have moved on. Uh, everyone's got increasingly more comfortable with the, the emerging data uh, and effectively reviewed pricing and improved pricing um, and we're now back in a zone where uh, you know with good competitive pressure and negotiation we think we can get to a to a, to a reasonable value for money uh, offering um, I, I guess there's a, there's a point there we, coming back to Hannah's comment about the different sizes um, it is important to understand the different dynamics in terms of pricing um, in particular uh, at the small end of the market, there are less reinsurers prepared to offer it. Um, there's some different sort of pricing drivers and dynamics, which mean that there are more challenges with getting attractive price at the smaller end than probably at the larger end, which again plays back to Hannah's comments about, in many cases, the bulk annuity market probably is a more attractive option for the smaller end.
And off, off, off there, we were talking about uh, the question you get most frequently by your clients. So I wonder if you could, could share that with us. Yeah, thank, thanks, Stuart. So I, I guess the question that um, I get asked the most is, um, strategically, we're looking to hedge um, demographic risk in the scheme. Does it make sense to do that through a longevity swap or a bulk annuity? Um, so both of these offer um, the demographic risk reduction. Um, so both of them achieve that um, overall aim. The annuity um, provides the more wider comprehensive risk transfer. So it's really thinking about um, which of those um, fit best with um, the funding and investment strategy. So for some pension schemes, they will have um, they will be looking to retain more investment flexibility in which, and looking to hedge the demographic risk. And in that scenario, a longevity swap is, is likely to be a more appropriate route for, for hedging that demographic risk. Um, for schemes where actually they have available low-risk assets um, and are um, sort of closer to that final endpoint of, of buyout, then annuity purchase is, is likely to be the, the preferred route there. Thanks, Hannah. And Tom? Yes, yeah, so, so I think a question that often comes up where, where a scheme is at the start of that journey and he's basically thinking, um, I would like to retain investment flexibility, I'm interested in longevity swap, but my ultimate end game is, is buyout and the use of annuities to achieve that. Then there's a question as, okay, well, am I putting in place a material additional barrier to get to buyout by entering into a longevity swap as part of that journey? Um, and then the question to that is, no, provided you negotiate the right terms, so it's critical when you enter into that longevity swap that you think ahead to how you're going to go through that later process to, to in simple terms, convert the, the, the longevity swap into a book annuity. Um, but provided you do that, and that, that clearly be a key uh, focus of the initial commercial terms negotiation, then it should be actually be a positive step towards that ultimate buyout rather than a, rather than a barrier. Brilliant. Well, thanks both for taking the time to talk longevity swaps with us today. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks. Thanks, Stuart.